0: Hey, BSN listeners, really excited to tell you guys about some game changing coffee. It's StravaCraft coffee, the CBD enriched coffee that's really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check these guys out. This CBD infused coffee has taken away long term migraines, back pain, arthritis, and IBS. It's also helped to decrease anxiety you name it. CBD is all natural. It's not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we could not recommend it any more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. What's up, guys? Welcome into the show. Harrison Wind here on a Tuesday. We are presented by The Green Solution, of course, the one and only Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online MyGreenSolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. BSN Nuggets podcast here, closing in on the draft. Draft is two days away. It's been a bit of an abnormal pre-draft routine for us here at the site, also for the Nuggets as well. Denver doesn't have a pick in this draft, so it's been tough to talk about, tough to analyze. I obviously haven't done nearly as much draft work as I did this time last year when Denver had the 14th pick. And that was a fun draft because it seemed like heading into that day, checking in with people around the league, that it was going to be Miles Bridges that fell to the Nuggets at 14. That seemed like the most likely guy to slip to that spot. And I feel like Denver felt pretty good about that. Most draft experts liked Bridges. I like Bridges. I liked them last year too. But then you never know what's going to happen on draft night. And sure enough, Michael Porter Jr. slips and slips and slips and teams continue to pass on him because of his medicals. And he winds up at 14 and, and uh, the Nuggets pick him. I love the pick at the time. I gave it an A right away when I did a quick draft grade post on BSN Denver after that one. So you never know what's going to happen on draft night. But I'll talk a little bit about the draft on today's show. have a lot of questions lined up, both through email, on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline as well. So we'll cover a lot of bases today. want to remind you guys, if you have a question for the show, wind at bsndenver.com. That's my email. Or you can hit up the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394. I'll run through a bunch of questions here, and then at the end, I'll list a couple prospects that I like. Maybe for the Nuggets, but these are kind of guys I like end of the first round, beginning to middle of the second round. I try to look at guys that Denver might look at, you know, 6'5 to 6'9 wings who can shoot it a little bit, who have some athleticism, who can defend. So obviously it's tough because we don't know where Denver is picking, but You got to believe if they do acquire a pick, it's probably not going to be a lottery pick, right? Like Those are tough to acquire, especially in bad drafts. Those are tough to acquire. And I don't like this draft at the top. I definitely do not. But there's some talent there for sure, as there always is. Teams just aren't going to give up lottery picks for not a ton. So I don't see Denver really getting in the lottery. They could find a way to get in the second half of the first round. So uh, I've covered a couple of guys that could be in range there. And then I do think it's much more likely that they find a way to get into the second round because in any draft, second round picks are available to be had. And you can just simply buy up one of those, of course. And if Denver does find a way to get back in the draft, I think that'd be the most likely route they would take. So I'll highlight a couple guys that I like early second round, mid second round. So If Denver does pounce on one of them, you guys have a little bit of context. But again, it's tough to cover this draft from a Nuggets perspective, not knowing if they're going to have a pick when the night's all said and done. We'll be at Pepsi Center Thursday. We'll be there. Nuggets are still hosting the media, of course. Tim Conley is going to do a press conference after the draft wraps up. But I don't anticipate it being as exciting as last year's when Denver got Michael Porter Jr. and then Jared Vanderbilt, who, after the draft, it seemed like they were almost more excited about getting him than Porter at 14. And then they got Thomas Welsh at the tail end of the second round as well. Probably not as much action this time around, but we'll be there to cover it on bsndenver.com, whatever does go down. Let's start things off with a question from Mario. He writes Hey, Harrison getting closer to the NBA draft on Thursday night. I'm curious what you think of Zion Williamson. Who would you compare him to in terms of an NBA career? I keep hearing he's the next LeBron, but the best prospect since LeBron. The experts say he'll be a combination of LeBron Charles Barkley. He'll be the most dominant college player to enter the NBA in forever. The hype machine has been on full blast for Zion since the college season. Real quick, Mario writes, I don't see Zion as being anywhere near as good as LeBron or Barkley. I've even heard him being compared to Sean Kemp, which is a huge stretch because Kemp was much taller I see Zion having a similar career to Larry Johnson at best, and at worst, the big nasty Corliss Williamson. Zion is, in my opinion, will be limited by his lack of height and being so heavy. We've never seen a player at that height weighing 285 pounds, playing the NBA consistently, and healthy over an 82-game schedule. The biggest problem Zion has is he can't shoot it from outside. Charles Barkley was a great shooter from outside. LeBron got better over time. Pretty sure Charles Barkley was like a sub-30% career three-point shooter, Mario, by the way. I think the best player to come out of this draft will be John Morant. His game and skills are perfectly suited for today's NBA. Love your thoughts. Thanks, Mario. So when it comes to Zion, and yeah, Charles Barkley was a 26% career three-point shooter. His best three-point shooting season ever, 34%. Zion Williamson shot it better than that last season in college. I think his shot from where he is at his point in his development is actually very encouraging. I mean, you don't think of him as a shooter at all, yet he shot 34% from three last year. I think over the final couple months of the season, he shot around 40%. So I think his shot is actually going to project well. I, I think his form is fine and his free throw looked all right. So I'm not worried about him as a shooter. Here are my thoughts on Zion. I love Zion as a prospect. I think he's clearly the number one prospect in this draft. Definitely one of the better prospects I've seen come across the college ranks since LeBron. I look at him as a guy who's going to fit into the league based on where the league is right now perfectly. Right now, there aren't many positions in the league, right? You have lead ball handler, you have wing, you have big men. I think the fact that Zion doesn't really have a position really fits super well. I think he's going to be a mismatch on the perimeter. He's going to force bigs to guard him out on the perimeter and just blow by him. If he gets a switch, I think he'll be able to punish guys in the post. His ball handling, I think, is a little underrated, to be quite honest. He's going to be one of the best transition players in the league. I think from the second he gets drafted, he's unbelievable in transition, just incredible body control. Incredible leaping ability, obviously, for a guy his age and with his body type. So, I think he's going to be a mismatch all over the court, in the half court, and in transition. I think offensively, his shot will come. It might not be a knockdown three point shot from day one, but I think the fundamentals are there. And the thing you love about Zion the most is his motor. He's one of the hardest players that I've ever seen in college. He plays so hard every single possession. And if I was a team at the top of the draft like the Pelicans, that's what I would love the most about him. This guy plays so freaking hard. And sometimes that's a knock on these top prospects. I think back to Ben Simmons. That was a knock on Ben Simmons coming out of LSU. He had all the talent in the world, but he didn't always play hard. You don't have to worry about that with Zion. And I think that's maybe his best attribute. His work ethic, his intangibles, his tenacity, how much he loves the game and how hard he plays. He's always going 100% all the time, diving on loose balls, extra effort plays. Coaches are going to love that about him. So I'm high on Zion. The stats he put up his freshman year at Duke, he dominated the NCAA in his freshman year like the surefire all-NBA guys do in their freshman years, like a Carl Anthony Towns did, like an Anthony Davis did, like a DeMarcus Cousins did, like all those other great big men did. And so I don't think there's any reason to be worried about Zion heading into the draft. I think he's the surefire number one pick, and I think he'll be an all-star for many years. It's tough to compare him to guys in the NBA right now because he just doesn't play like a ton of other players. I I think he's got some similarities to Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin, when he came into the league, he's lost a little athleticism now, but when he came in, he was one of the most explosive leapers in the game. I think there's some similarities there. And you look at how Blake Griffin has really developed as a ball handler and a playmaker over the last two years. I think we'll see that with Zion from day one. So kind of in the Blake Griffin mold, but more of a playmaker, obviously, than Blake was when he came into the league. Mario asked about Ja Morant there. I like Ja. I've probably got him number two on my board this year. Just a pure point guard, pure playmaker. One of the best passers that we've seen in the last couple of drafts. So I've got him number two. Thanks for the question, Mario. I love Zion. I think he's going to be a great player. I think New Orleans is very lucky and... Uh, I think he'll be really good in the league from day one. I don't think there's going to be a huge adjustment period with him. Let's hit this other question from Matthew before we take a quick break. Matthew writes, Hi Harrison, loving the off-season shows and the Aussie in part. Shout out to Chris and Ranchman, both of which have great insights and comments. Amen. I have a question for you. Now that Anthony Davis has left the Pelicans, is Drew Holiday possibly available? I doubt he'd want to hang around for a rebuilding given the amount of young guys around Zion. Wouldn't the Pelicans need someone like Mason Plumlee to act as a tough guy, big brother to Zion out on the court? There is no doubt that there would be a heap of young guys around the NBA wanting to have a crack at Zion, and I reckon Mason would be a good bodyguard. Zion's a beast, but he's young. If the Pelicans were interested, who would need to be added to the deal? Do you think Holiday would be a good fit for the Nuggets? If you think it could all work, can you please pull a few strings with the Nuggets hierarchy and make something happen? Thanks for the question, Matthew. So, Drew Holiday? I love Drew Holiday. And before Jamal Murray really emerged last year, I always identified Drew Holiday as a guy that would be a great fit as a lead ball handler on this Nuggets team with Jokic, with Gary Harris, if Jamal Murray didn't end up being that guy. Now, after last season, after the playoff run Jamal Murray had, he definitely seems like he's that guy. It seems like the Nuggets definitely think he'll be that guy going forward. Didn't want to put him in the deal for Anthony Davis. Reportedly, they've shied away from including him in trades for past All-Stars, I know for a fact. So the Nuggets think he's that guy at the one. Now, I mean, Drew Holiday's a guy who can play off the ball as well. And if you're looking at that situation in New Orleans if I'm the Pelicans, I'm trying to deal Drew Holiday. I'm trying to get more picks for him or maybe some other young players that teams have kind of soured on. I'm taking my time if I'm David Griffin and the Pelicans. And I think you can probably get some really good value for Drew Holiday, a future first rounder for sure. Now, I don't really think Denver has the ability to offer something like that up. Like Denver's future first rounders probably aren't going to be lottery bound. But you know, maybe New Orleans would be interested in a future first round pick or so. I don't really see a plumly for holiday trade or something built around that being in the cards. I gotta think Denver would have to throw some more attractive players the Pelicans' way, whether that was like a Gary Harris or a Malik Beasley. So all in all, I liked, really liked, loved the idea of Drew Holiday here, kind of before Jamal Murray's emergence. But now after Murray's really established himself in the playoffs as that fringe all-star guy and likely heading towards a collision course with an all-star berth, maybe next season, I don't really see Holiday being in the cards. But I still think he'd be a great fit. Just doesn't seem super likely in my book. I did also get another question on Twitter. This came in from Mikey about Mike Conley. He said, hey, Harrison, been listening to your podcast lately. Great stuff. With Memphis likely drafting Moran at two. What do you think of a Gary Harris for my Conley move? And then moving Murray to the two guard. I'm not an expert in calf space and trades, but is this feasible? Conley's definitely looking to get moved here. I don't know how much sense he makes for the nuggets. I mean, Conley kind of getting up there in age a little. He's 31. Definitely doesn't have the pop he's had in recent years. He's also coming in here under a big salary. Uh, that's been the thing attached to Conley. That's been a little bit of a detriment in terms of Memphis trying to move him. He's on the books for 31, 32 and a half, sorry, 32 and a half million next season. And then has an ETO early termination option for 2020, 2021. So he could be a free agent after next season. Um, everybody's always trying to move Jamal Murray off the ball. And I don't really get it, to be honest. Like, he's not a natural point guard, but I think he's a fine point guard prospect in this day and age when point guards aren't like necessarily the classic point guard that many people think of. Most modern day point guards are in Jamal Murray's role. And I know he's got a ways to go with his ball handling and his passing and his decision making, but I think he can get there. And he's just 22. So I don't really get people that always try to move Jamal Murray off the ball. I think he's a point guard long-term. He wants to play the point guard long-term. He doesn't want to play off the ball full-time. He was a point guard every step of his life at every point in his basketball career, except for that one year at Kentucky when he played off the ball next to Tyler Ulis. So I think that is still in a lot of people's heads. But I don't think the Nuggets really want to move Jamal Murray off the ball either. Uh, So I think he's the point guard for this team long-term, you know, unless something goes awry here next season. And I don't think they would bring in Mike Conley to necessarily move Murray off the ball. I like Conley though. I think he's still got a few more years left at this level, uh, maybe like a fringe all-star level. I'd keep an eye on Utah maybe to get him, maybe Phoenix too, with their kind of need for a veteran and point guard as well. They've had a whole point guard there for a while but I don't really see it in the cards for Denver because moving Jamal Murray off the ball, it's not something that really makes a lot of sense to me. I don't think it's something that makes sense to the Nuggets either. Hey, if you guys aren't subscribed to bsndenver.com, right now is a great time to get in. An annual pass right now on bsndenver.com backslash subscribe only ends up costing you $3.33 a month. With that, you get a free t-shirt from the BSN Denver Locker. Nuggets, Rockies, Broncos, Avalanche shirts on there. Of course, you also get access to our great content across all our sports. We'll have content on the draft posting Thursday, really regardless of what the Nuggets do. We got free agency after that. Summer League, a lot coming up over these next few months. Make sure to get in bsndenver.com backslash subscribe. Only $3.33 a month for an annual subscription. You also get that free T-shirt. Also download the BSN Denver mobile app today on iTunes and Android. Great one-stop shop for our podcasts, for all our content on bsndenver.com. Let's hit a break real quick. Some more draft talk on the other side. I'll go over some prospects at the end of today's show who I like for Denver, kind of in that three and D wing mode that could be available end of the first and into the second round. Also hit on a couple more questions. We'll be right back.
1: cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue.
0: Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast. We are presented, of course, by our good friends over at The Green Solution. Visit mygreensolution.com, plug in code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wind here, Tuesday edition of the show. We got the NBA draft in a couple days. I love the draft. I love the chaos of the draft. This year could be more chaotic than most with just the uncertainty this year. It seems like there's a lot more uncertainty this year just in the top 10 than there was at this point last year. I remember we pretty much had most of the top 10 nailed down pretty perfectly. Of course, the Porter tumble threw a little chink into that, but for the most part, we had a good idea of who was going where. This year seems to be entirely different. So, In a few minutes, I'm going to give you guys a few prospects to keep an eye on that I like potentially for Denver. Again, it's a little hard to project because we don't exactly know where the Nuggets will be picking. Maybe they'll get traded to the first round. Maybe they'll trade to the second round. I don't know. But I'll get to some guys that I like in a few minutes at the 3-4. Small forward power forwards. Before that, though, I want to hit one or two questions on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. This one comes from Chris. I touched on this when it came to the Anthony Davis conversation back on Sunday. You guys can catch that episode where I really just kind of made my big points about why I agreed that the Nuggets made the right decision and not trading for Anthony Davis. But Chris had another point about that. So let's hear what he has to say.
2: Hey, Chris in Denver. Um, we are we're, 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 we're sitting in the aftermath of the Anthony Davis trade, and there's been a lot of takes about you know the Nuggets and they had the offer with Murray and they, you know, they just, just wouldn't include him for Davis. And he yeah, has received some pushback, some kind of questioning. And, you yeah, first off, I, I I just like to, you know, wonder why. I mean, Davis has made it clear that he's a one-year player. And the way he conducted himself towards the tail end of his deal with uh with New Orleans, you almost wonder, you know, how is he going to, you know, is he going to give a hundred, a hundred percent of the finals? Is he going to play through what he needs to play through this, to, uh, to make the course, like Kawhi did? I'm not sure if he could do that. And moreover, you look at what Jamal Murray is doing as a 21 year old point guard. The types of the types of players and point guards specifically. That have seasons that good at eight, their age twenty-one year season or younger. I mean, the list is almost all stars. It's not, you know, it's not foolproof. It's not, uh, you know, it's, it's not a, uh, it's not a failure-proof list. But they almost all turn out to be stars. And then second, you know, if Michael Porter Jr. could play, he's the big wing that this team needs. And you know, quite frankly, I don't know why you're any lower on Michael Porter Jr. now than you then. <laughs> you were in the other point. If anything, you know, when he was drafted, we knew he'd missed the year and then maybe he'll be able to come back and play. Well, he's missed the year and now he's, uh, he's definitely healthy enough to play summer league. You know, what that means, I don't know, but he's healthy enough to play organized professional basketball and that alone is a win. You know, I don't know if you saw Roach on uh, ESPN this morning tapping him up, but it looks like there's a lot of people that are very high on him and, i yeah, just like to say to, to Nuggets Nation, you know, have some patience. You know, what are your thoughts on this? Um, why do you think uh, what we've been seeing isn't quite good enough? Uh, as always, appreciate your time. Love the show. Keep the great work, and go Nuggets.
0: Thanks, Chris, for the question and the call as always. So I talked about this a little on Sunday show, like I said, but overall, and Chris asks at the end here, Why do I think there was a little bit of disagreement from the Nuggets fan base about that they might have missed out a little and not pulling the trigger for Davis and putting Murray in that deal? I just think the taste of success and a little bit more this year than I think a lot of fans thought they were going to get has probably accelerated the timeline in a lot of people's minds. And I've been stressing to you guys that This success that Denver had this year, the regular season success, and then winning around the playoffs, that was never going to accelerate the timeline that the Nuggets have at Pepsi Center, in their offices there. That's one thing they've been adamant about throughout the entire year, throughout the entire playoff run, with how young this roster is. Whatever was going to happen wasn't going to really accelerate the timeline that they had in their heads. And that's probably going to frustrate some people who saw the Nuggets get to the conference semifinals, lose to a team in Portland that Denver was better than. And then you've got the Warriors future kind of up in the air with all the injuries. You can look at a team like Denver and say, man, if they hit on a big move, they'd be in the driver's seat for maybe a title next year. So I think that's maybe the frustration. You get a taste of success and you just want more immediately. You, know, you just want to push the pedal all the way down and just go for it. But I think it's tough to remember in times like that, but it's important to remember that Denver's gotten to the point that they have by being patient and trusting their continuity and operating under the assumption that maybe the best move to make at the time, is not making a move at all. That's what I wrote earlier this year when kind of outlined why Tim Conley might have a case for executive of the year. Now, with Toronto winning the championship with Kawhi Leonard, I think that award is probably wrapped up, even though it's a regular season award. But sometimes the best move to make is no move at all and just running it back. And I think that's what we've learned with the Nuggets over the last couple of years. So I think there was some frustration from that. Uh, But overall, I never really thought it made a ton of sense to trade for Davis. I think him and Jokic would be great on the court together, but Chris touched on this a little. How Davis conducted himself in New Orleans over the last six months of his Pelicans tenure, I thought that was embarrassing. (laughs) I thought that was embarrassing. Just going from demanding the trade to... Sitting out games to the that's all folk shirt. I thought some of his antics there were embarrassing, and I don't think that's the type of guy Denver really wants to build with. Of course, superstars are treated and graded on a curve when it comes to that kind of stuff because they can get away with it where non superstars sometimes can't. But when you look at him and Kawhi, who both could be on one year rentals, Kawhi. This might have been a one-year rental for him. Davis certainly would have been on a one-year rental in Denver. Like Kawhi is just a basketball machine. He's not going to really get too consumed with the free agency chatter throughout the year and stuff. In Toronto, he pretty much just put his head down and played basketball. I don't know what Davis would be like in Denver or if he had gotten traded to Boston for that entire season. It seems like there would have been a lot more outside noise around Davis, And just with his agent and him being tied to clutch and the Lakers looming out there, there would have been a lot more noise, it seems like, with Davis on a one-year rental than there was this last season with Kawhi. So that situation feels like that would have been a really annoying year with Davis, no matter how good the Nuggets were just kind of dealing with those outside distractions. And yeah, like Chris said, Denver has Michael Porter Jr. waiting in the wings I think that was also a reason why Denver didn't really feel like they needed to go all out to make this Davis deal. And a lot of the national guys uh, have been getting those sound bites in about how good Porter has looked. You guys know from listening to this podcast that he's looked pretty good all year behind closed doors and whatnot. That's at least what I've heard. And you know we see bits and pieces of some of those three-on-three games, particularly on the road with Porter and Bunch of the end of the bench guys and player development guys. And I mean, the skills that jump off the page are obvious. His shot, his explosion around the rim. He just looks like a star, you know? Six foot 10, six foot 11, absolutely chiseled. He can handle the ball. But things like quickness, his first step, flexibility, those things will take time. And it's clear that he doesn't have the same first step, the same quickness that he did pre injury. So we'll see if he can get that back. It'll be interesting to see what he looks like at Summer League. But yes, Denver continues to be very excited about him. And I've heard he's continued to look very good behind the scenes over the last few months since the season has ended. All right, let's stay on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. Got two more questions to get to there, and then I'm going to list off a few prospects that I like potentially for Denver. Late first round into the second round. Again, if you guys have questions for the show, 1-800- BSNA 394, 1 800 BSNA 394. Let's go back there right now.
3: My name is Charles from New York. With KD and Clay out for next year, for the majority of next year, do you think the Nuggets should try trading some salary to acquire a star player or try to get into the draft to get the wing they need to compete for a title next year?
0: Thanks, Charles, for the question. Those two options, I mean, one. Of them would really elevate Denver to a championship next year. I don't really see any guys in this draft, even up at the top, you know, other than Zion, who would be able to come into Denver and really elevate them to a championship contender. Like, even guys at the top of the lottery, like DeAndre Hunter, who projects as a multi positional defender, three four combo forward guy. Like, I don't even think he would. Elevate Denver to a title contender. So, the only way Denver can get there under those two options would be through a trade. And, you know, we've lamented on this point on this podcast throughout the summer. That trade's going to be tough to make, really, at this point. I mean, Chris Paul's out there, but I don't know what conscious GM would make a trade for that contract. It seems like Bradley Beal is maybe available. But Washington seems to be kind of in a holding pattern. They don't have a GM that's running their team right now. And obviously, that'd be a a big move to make, trading Bradley Beal for anybody who gets that job. So we'll see what happens there. But to your question, to be a trade, because I don't think there's that guy that Denver could even move up into the top five to draft that would push Denver up a rung in the West, If I'm Denver though, I probably sit tight and wait for the next disgruntled superstar to become available. I really do. Because there's definitely going to be a couple guys that demand out this coming year. We probably don't know who they're going to be right now, but I can assure you that's just how the NBA works. It's always who you least expect. So if I'm Denver, maybe I wait for that. All right. Thanks for the question, Charles. One more question to get to on the show. This one comes from Corey about a potential... Free agent edition.
3: Hello, this is Corey from Florida. Loving this time of year. A lot of potential things can happen. Draft Week free agency is almost upon us. And teams are making moves. So like five minutes ago, Brooklyn. They uh they declined Ronde Hollis Jefferson's off uh, option, so now he's an unrestricted free agent. You think he was he is someone we would target? with our mid-level exception, and how many, if we did, how many years uh, would you think they would lock him up for, because he's young, he fits with our timeline, as far as the core, the core's age, he's a wing stopper, he could be a nice piece off the bench starting, or whatever, he doesn't, he seems like an unselfish player, not really a offensive-minded guy, but he can definitely defend multiple positions, and help us at, help us out in that way, and we don't have to to uh, give him a crazy contract in order to try to steal him away. We can just give him a contract we think he deserves and maybe he'll like our organization because we're up and coming. So I I sent in a question earlier about Rondé Hollis Jefferson, but things change. He's unrestricted, and maybe that'll make it easier for us to get him in this scenario. Appreciate all the content, and as always, go Nuggets.
0: Thanks, Corey. I like Rondé Hollis Jefferson. I really do. I saw the news. He will be a free agent. I think he could be a target, and I think he could be a good fit for Denver. You know, Here's the wrap on Jefferson. Six foot seven, but with a really long wingspan, he can defend four, maybe five positions in some lineup. So tons of defensive versatility. I think he's a smart, rangy defender, good hustler, good effort guy a bit undersized, but like I said, makes up for it with his toughness and his length. So I think he'd add a lot to Denver defensively. Offensively, doesn't really have a defined role in the modern NBA. I think he's like an okay passer, but has never been a three-point shooter. That's the weakest part of his game. Has never really been a threat from three. So that's what you worry about with him. And you worry about that a little bit because He could be playing a lot next to Mason Plumlee on Denver's bench unit next season if Denver was to sign him. And right there, you have two really non-shooters who are tied to the paint. So not a great fit bench-wise, but I think he's skilled enough and I think he hustles enough where he could make an impact with the Nuggets. Just maybe not next to Mason Plumlee. He'd also be pretty cheap. I don't think he's going to command a ton of money. On the open market. So Denver, if they're looking for a cheap option as a fourth big man, uh, I think he could fit the billing. So if I'm the Nuggets, I would look at him for sure. Uh, I like what he brings to the table in terms of his defensive upside, his defensive versatility, how he can guard a lot of different positions. And he's just a guy who understands how to play defense. So I like him. I'm not sure if Denver will look at him, but I think it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. And I kind of like him as a low-budget guy who could play, you know, 15 minutes per game, 20 minutes per game maybe in what the Nuggets thought the role Trey Lyles was going to fill will be. All right. Thanks for the question, Corey. I like Rondé Hollis Jefferson. I think that's the type of impact level, money level guy the Nuggets might target in free agency. I don't see him going big game hunting, but maybe a guy around Hollis Jefferson's impact and potential dollar amount would be more likely. Before I get to some prospects that I like for Denver in this draft, a quick word from Stravacraft Coffee. Stravacraft Coffee is a game-changing coffee. It's the CBD enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS and it's helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. Coffee is rich and tasty. We cannot recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. All right, back here on the show, Harrison Wind here, BSN Nuggets podcast, Tuesday afternoon. I don't know if you guys saw this report coming out of Houston. Yahoo Sports, Vinny Goodwill. The Rockets reportedly could be heading toward a divorce between Chris Paul and James Harden. Let me read this line. (laughs) Chris Paul went to Rockets management and demanded a trade, and Harden issued a, quote, him or me edict following the Rockets' second round loss to the Golden State Warriors. So all is well in Houston, and I think it's just another example of how the top of the West with the Warriors and Rockets, there's chaos, there's uncertainty there. The Nuggets are sitting there, Ready to roll back much of their 54 win team and still enjoy arguably the best chemistry in the league. I wonder if the Nuggets will have another spike ball tournament this fall. Anyways, let's get on with it. The draft is in two days, just over 48 hours away. We'll be covering it down at Pepsi Center. Nuggets don't have a pick, but I would not be surprised if they bought into the second round. Buying to the first round, that's always tougher probably got to give up a player of some value and a future pick to get into the top 30. But you can usually just buy second round picks. There's always some available every year as the draft gets going. So I could see that happening with the Nuggets. So I put together a little list of guys that could be targets of Denver. I focused on wings, 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", up to like 6'9" who can play the three, who can play on the perimeter, three, four combo guys. That's, I guess, the archetype of player Denver would target. That's who I would think they would target. A guy who can at least defend a little bit too and is somewhat of a threat from three. Everybody in the league is looking for those guys. And I'll admit, I don't think there's a ton of those guys in this draft, but there are some. So The first guy I really like is Matthias Teibel out of Washington. I didn't watch a ton of college hoops this year, I'll be honest, but I watched the Pac-12. I watched CU, and I always like Tyble. He's like six foot six with a seven foot wingspan. NCAA Defensive Player of the Year. He broke Jason Kidd's NCAA record for steals in the season. Topped Gary Payton for the conference's all-time record in steals. One of three players in the last twenty years to average two steals and two blocks in a season. The other two guys to do that: Shane Battier and Nerlens Noel. So. Defense is really his calling card. The thing that's a little weird about him though is Washington played a 2-3 zone and he played like at the top of that zone. So from that position, you know, it was easy for him to garner a ton of steals, a ton of blocks, closing out the shooters. His wingspan really seemed to catch a lot of shooters by surprise. Guys would just like set up for jump shots and then he'd just come over and close out and just block them. So It seems like he's just got great anticipation on the defensive end, knows where to be, can jump passing lanes. I mean, he had so many just plays where he'd pick off a pass or get his hand in a passing lane, poke it out to half court, and then just finish a breakaway layup or dunk on the other end. He had a couple of those per game whenever I watched him play. So really gifted, instinctual defender. Now, there are some questions I think that I've read about how that will translate to a man to man system but you know i'm a believer when you've got high defensive iq high defensive awareness you guys know that from listening to this show it's the number one thing i look for in players a high basketball iq i think he's got it particularly on the defensive end and i think anybody who has it at his level your defense is going to somewhat translate so he's like 6-6 you wish he had a couple more inches but you got to think he's going to project to be a pretty solid defender big steals guy, big block shots guy from the garden, from the wing position at the next level. Offensively, he didn't shoot it particularly well from three his senior season, only 31% from beyond the arc, but throughout his college career was a really good shooter or solid shooter, I should say. Shot 36.5% from three his freshman year, above 40% his sophomore year, down to 36.5% again his junior year, and then really dropped off his senior year But he was a really good free throw shooter uh, from the line his senior year, shot at 85%. So that projects pretty well. His shot kind of reminds me of Torrey Craig. A little bit of a hard shot, not the softest shot in the world, but it seems like he could be a fine shooter going forward. So I don't think that's like a huge concern. But I like him for his defense, I like him for his defensive awareness. His defensive IQ is. Ability to get steals, to get block shots, just seems like a really active and engaged and savvy defender. And I love those types of guys. So he's projected to go end of the first round. Maybe if he slips, he's a guy Denver trades up for if they like him. A couple more guys I like, Chumo Keke from Auburn, 6'8", combo forward. Kind of reminds me of Kyle Kuzma, to be honest, but way better defensively. Seven-foot wingspan. This guy went to Auburn, and if you guys remember, he tore his ACL late in the season, so he could be slipping down boards a little bit. I think he was once a projected first-rounder, but now might go second round. Averaged 12 points last season. Shot it really well from three, 38% decent from the line, 72%. But he's a big body. He's strong, really good looking three point shot. But defense seems to be his calling card. Average two steals a game his sophomore season this last year for Auburn, over one block per game. So the thing about him, of course, is the injury. Not expected to play until like January after he tore that ACL in the Sweet 16 against Carolina. So he's a guy who you draft if you don't really need anybody to contribute right away, which would kind of fit the bill for Denver. They can afford to draft some of these injured guys, and he's a guy who definitely was a projected first rounder before the injury. So, I like him, I like his defensive versatility. Can definitely guard two, three positions, high effort player, good looking shot as well. So, you think he'll be able to play both ends of the floor. Terrence Mann from Florida State, I think, is kind of interesting. If the Nuggets are looking for shooting and athleticism, he could be that guy. 6'7 wing can really shoot it. 39% from three last year as a senior. He's probably a middle second round guy. But Florida State, the connection is there. They drafted Malik Beasley out of Florida State a few years back. So you got to think they've got a good evaluation on Terrence Mann. But you know he can really shoot it and he's a crazy athlete. So maybe Denver will look at him. KZ Okpala. Is another interesting guy, I think, for Denver. He's probably the highest projected guy that I'm gonna list off here. Middle of the first round, I've seen some mocks at him. Uh late first round, early second round. So quite a bit of range on him, and that usually signals that front offices are a bit divided on a guy like him. Super tall, six foot nine, six foot ten, with just like a crazy seven-foot plus wingspan. Really long, kind of a late bloomer, played at Stanford these last two years. And his freshman year, he was a terrible shooter, not a good free throw shooter, under 70% from the line. This year, a much improved three point shooter, though, 37% from three, still didn't shoot it great from the line, but totally remade his shot for his sophomore season. And it really changed his outlook from three. He's super long, super rangy, super athletic, gets his hands in passing lanes. You can see the upside just because of his frame. I mean, there aren't many 6'10, 215 pound guys who can defend and can shoot from three. So he certainly fits that bill. And you got to think he's a guy, if he adds a little bit more weight, he's super stringy right now. But if he adds a little more weight, he can defend three positions maybe. So potentially versatile on the defensive end of the floor offensively, you know, doesn't have much to his game, can attack the rim a little bit. He's so tall. If he just gets into the lane, he's got a good chance of finishing over whoever he was going to play in college. But he'll have to work on his offensive skills, not super refined, at least from what I can tell on the offensive end of the floor. just kind of uses his athleticism and length. You know, that's all right for a sophomore who's as young as him. But Maybe a bit out of Denver's range, especially if he goes middle of the first round as some project him to, but who knows? If he falls, could be appealing as an upside play. A couple other guys I like, Charles Matthews from Michigan, 6'6 wing, who's one of the best defenders in this class. The thing about Matthews though, another injured guy like Okeke from Auburn, He'll fall in this draft not as far as Okeke, he's just not that type of prospect, but he'll fall to late in the second round. So I definitely think this is a guy Denver could nab. Experienced player, played 3 years in college, started his career at Kentucky, transferred to Michigan where he played his last 2 years, big game experience. One of the better defenders in this class though. He's 6 foot 6, not like A++ athleticism. I don't think he's as athletic, as rangy, as springy as a guy like Casey Akpala, but just a smart defender who's gotten a lot of reps and at the college level and just knows what he's doing on that end of the floor. So I think he's a plug and play guy from that perspective. He'll be able to come in and defend. Didn't really shoot the ball great in college. Shot 30% from three this past year. Wasn't a great free throw shooter either. So there's some concerns there. Denver had him in for a workout last summer. He was in the pre-draft process, pulled his name out, returned to Michigan. So there's a little familiarity there. Don't want to take too much stock from who Denver has had in their pre-draft workouts, but they only had six guys in the building this summer. At least that were available to the media. I don't know if they had anybody else, Uh, but they had Matthews in last year. So maybe a little familiarity there, but I like him because of his defensive upside and I think he's a good enough athlete where he can contribute at the NBA level. He'll need to work on his shot, though. Looking at some of his highlights, so I don't think his form is like broken by any means. Just did not shoot the ball well in college, though. Two more guys of note, Mie Oni, a 6'6 wing from Yale. I like his game. Doesn't really jump off the page, but seems like he does a lot of stuff well. Three-year player in college, averaged 17 points, per game for Yale last year, shot at a tick under 80% from the line, 37% from 3, so he's a threat from 3. You like his defense too. Long wingspan, can guard small forwards, can guard two guards. Pretty built too, so he can probably come into the NBA and, you know, not get out-muscled by guys right away. So, he'd be a second round option, middle to late second round, maybe keep an eye on him. Seems like a versatile guy that might have a little untapped potential. If Denver's looking for a guy to stash, there are a couple guys Denver could look at. This guy in particular caught my eye out of Lithuania. Davidis Servietis, 6'8 eight forward, 18 years old, super young, played in the Lithuanian League last year. He's a lefty, good looking shot, versatile offensive player, plays on the wing, six foot eight. He's a project though, so you know maybe Denver takes a shot on him here in the second round, a la Vlako Chanchar brings him over for Summer League and then stashes him in Europe for a year or two. A couple other guys that could fit that mold in the second round, but he seems like the cream of the crop out of those guys. Davidis Sirividis out of Lithuania. So let me know what you guys think about those wings. A couple guys I like there potentially for Denver. Again, it's tough because we don't know where the Nuggets are picking. They could buy in to the second round. I think they might. I don't know if they'll be able to get their hands on a first round pick to maybe nab a guy like Matias Teibel or KZ Akpala, who are the two guys on that list that are probably going to go in the first round, maybe early second. But yeah, keep an eye on those guys. Maybe I'll talk about a few more guys on Wednesday show, Thursday show. We got the draft Thursday night, of course. So stay tuned to bsndenver.com for that. I think that's all the time I got for today. Thanks for listening i'll be back on wednesday talk to you then
1: the biggest benefits of cbd are our cognitive our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, regeneration anti-inflammatory and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain that is arthur jaffe a former cu buffs football player and founder of elixinol a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and